We don't do that here. But the Welcome back to the ultimate fucking casual. Who is the ultimate fucking casual? That would be me. I'm Leo. I don't know shit about MMA, but I am joined today by Nathan and Chief, my good buddies here, who do know about MMA. Um, if I sound like shit, please forgive me. It was my birthday yesterday, so you'd make of that what you will. The, the chances are whatever you're thinking probably happened. <laughs> Alright guys, how are we doing today on this fine Sunday? Doing well? Yeah. Yeah. Superb. Middling. Middling. All right, so this discussion piece on the in the beginning here, Ngannou meets Jones. Uh, I didn't hear about this. What happened? So at uh, a PFL event on Friday, I think it was, it looks like both guys were just at the fight and they sort of walked past each other or ran into each other at the streets at the front. Yeah, somebody caught it on camera and that, they've sort of caught what they were saying to each other and it looked a, it looked a bit of... Uh, what did I think uh, John said to Engano? You don't want this smoke, or something similar to that. And Engano sort of saying back, "You know, I do want it," which is kind of funny because you know he's run off to another organisation. But um, I think what we can read for it is, uh, I'm sure Dana wanted this fight to happen, but I'm sure Dana wanted this fight to happen with extremely low payouts for these guys, um, probably a lot lower than what they're worth. Yeah, with Engano under his thumb. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that they just, uh, quote-unquote, happened to run into each other. <laughs> this definitely wasn't set up. Or at least one one side of it set up. I think it would, if anyone's going to do that, it would be John Jones go, going to a PFL event that he knows Ngannou's going to be at and then kind of causing a scene, even if it's not super confrontational. But What was interesting was how cordial both of them looked. Like, they talked a little bit of trash, but they both had smiles on their faces the whole time, and they were sort of, you know, seemed almost more like playful banner, and it was like, I don't know. Hmm. It'll stoke the fires a little bit more for a fight that seems impossible right now, but who knows? Dan has always um, historically been against these, like, cross-promotional fights, hasn't he? Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't Ngannou has secured uh, the freedom from PFL to go do as he pleases. So I don't. I, who knows? Was that was that freedom not just for boxing bouts, yeah, non MMA fights? Yeah, but okay, still, so there is an exclusivity there. But still, I, I'm sure the PFL the PFL can just wave. I mean, they basically just have to ignore what's written in the contracts. If Ngannou comes to them and says, look, I'm willing to do this fight, I'll cut you in for X, or maybe they just won't stand in his way because they want to see the fight, maybe. I can't see it happening. What What do you two think? It just seems it seems pretty improbable now, so it's, there's not really any sense in getting your hopes up for a fight, but I do think it's interesting that just the way that little scene played out seemed a little too perfect, so... Um, I think if it were to happen, it would be like a one-off, and Ngannou would be betting on a win, and then he'd head straight back to PFL, win or lose. But, I mean, we gotta see other stuff happen in the meantime. Yeah, 
from the business end, it doesn't. It, it wouldn't make sense for PFL to let Nganu just walk off and do a huge MMA fight without being involved somehow, or at least being cut into it, like a first refusal kind of thing on Nganu's behalf. Hmm. PFL, I think, is going to need a very considerable step aside payment if they're going to let Nganu go do a UFC only promoted fight. Especially one of this magnitude. Yeah, maybe. What is it? Maybe the biggest fight in the sport. Maybe you know that you can make right now. I think. I think this sells the most, doesn't it? Yeah, and UFC has obviously the name recognition to promote something like this, whereas PFL not so much. I'm not sure what their power position is here, other than having got a new lockdown. I don't think there's any chance that this happens, but as far as cross-promotional things, we have seen full-on promotion versus promotion cards. They had Bellator versus One a couple months ago, where it was like one side was all Bellator fighters, the other one's all One fighters. And it was like the two promotions going head-to-head kind of thing. I, I can't envision Dana ever letting the UFC do something like that with PFL, but... That would be kind of interesting. They also had a Bellator vs. Ryzen. I remember that. That's what I was thinking. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Not one. Still, Bellator vs. One would be interesting. Ryzen vs. One would be interesting. UFC, if they uh, tend to have the most talented people, uh, UFC vs. everyone else put together. Yeah. UFC versus the field. Yeah. I think the UFC they probably look on these events and they probably think what do we don't gain a lot from this whereas the other promotion we would be going against they gain a, a shit ton from it yeah they so, stand to gain more yeah well this is something to, to, to definitely keep an eye on interesting to see how this develops if it develops alright let's get into recaps here on June 10th UFC 289 I couldn't think of a good pun to call it a snoozer, because <laughs> other than the co-main, there wasn't a whole lot going on. So that's unfortunate. Uh, let's go from the bottom up here. We had Mark andre Barriolt gets a UD over Eric Anders, a middleweight fight. Uh, anything notable for here? <clears throat> anything notable to mention on this one? It was quite close, wasn't it? it was, you know... Um... Anders attempted a lot of takedowns, but he wasn't he wasn't wildly successful with much of it. Um, the striking numbers were quite similar. Um, they both landed around a hundred strikes each. You know, significant strike numbers were quite similar as well. Um, saying that, it was, <laughs> the judges all gave it to Mark Andre, so they obviously thought he was doing a bit of better work. Um, I thought this could have gone either way. Watch when I watched it back. Um, but I'm not exactly mad that um, the guy who won did. All right. Let's see here. Dan Ige, ranked 13th yeah, at featherweight, gets the UD over Nate Landwehr. Um, Nate, your namesake here. Anything? Uh, <laughs> do you have uh, any lamentations to share? Uh, only that it seemed close in the beginning. I unfortunately missed the last round so I don't have any comments I can't really comment on the the decision too much but from what I did see it seemed uh, 
seemed close. Is that an accurate assessment, Chief? Uh, very close. I mean, uh, I think they thought, <laughs> I think the UFC thought, thought that uh, Nate was on the way out, as it were. Um, you know, he's, he's lost a few fights and such. <laughs> he's been in it a while, but he uh, he put up a hell of a fight. And uh, yeah, it was it was sort of similar to the first fight, really, on the card, the um, Barry Oak versus Anders fight. They're both quite close. There wasn't a whole lot between them. Um, I think the right guy won again. That seems quite safe and boring for me to say, but um, the judging was okay on this card. Should we get that out of the way? Because I think we all we ever do is we slate the judging when it's bad and it does deserve it, but yeah. the judging was okay on this card. Uh, I don't think they got a lot wrong, to be honest. Safe. Easy, safe fights <laughs> to judge. Yeah. These are the rookie judges that they're trying to bring up to the A-star level. <laughs> Alright, Mike Mallet submits Adam Fugit. Fug it, fuck it. Welterweight. <laughs> uh, well, you could really tell once uh, once Mallet locked that uh, submission in that Adam just said fuck it. Ah, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Um, let's skip the meat of this dish and let's get Amanda Nunez out of the way. She gets the UD over Irene Aldana. Um, I think the out of the ring post fight reaction from a third party was more interesting than the fight itself, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Aldana, uh, bless her heart, she tried her best. Her best is not good enough. As much as I wanted it to be, just so I could come back here and say, "Yeah, another fucking upset from the Mexican fighter," but nope, didn't happen this time. But still, Nunez is, seems to still have that dominant streak. Um, so what's up with Pena? What what what's her story? What's her deal? She she beat Nunez, right? So she upset the apple cart, as it were. What two or three fights ago now? Wasn't it a though? Yeah, it was beaten in the re- rematch. Um, I think should, should we get one? Should we get one thing out of the way? Amanda Nunes is the greatest female fighter in MMA history. But should we just should we just get that out of the way? She beat yeah. one of the most feared girls ever in Cyborg when nobody wanted to fight her. She became yeah, she was double champ, but they sort of invent that division was invented for Cyborg essentially because Cyborg couldn't cut to thirty five; she can only cut to forty five. And she even struggled with that at times. Uh, Nunez was the one who beat Rousey when she came back on her big return. Nunez has beaten um, Shevchenko as well. You know, these are those three names alone are just stalwarts, stalwarts in females MMA. MMA. So, do I understand Pena's frustration a little bit? Yeah, but. I think it was classless more than anything, wasn't it? She was screeching and shouting at her during when she's given a retirement speech. And I just think, read the room a little bit. Everyone around was sort of clapping and, you know, giving, you know, giving Nunes her flowers. And you've got Pena just screeching at her like a petulant child. That was the sort of demeanor she had. I, f- I found it quite distasteful, if I'm honest. Yeah, and then after the fight, talking about, well, she... She retired because she was running for me and she was scared of me. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I don't know if she's playing like a gimmick or something, but like, 
it's not gonna work. Like I think Amanda's gonna take she's gonna take that whole division with her. Like I, I don't understand I don't know what's out there uh once she's gone. Like they're gonna really need to search for the kind of the next big thing because there's nothing in terms of sellability out there and it's certainly not Pena. Uh, Pena's Pena's big sellability factor was uh, she's a she's a mum right she takes a little girl around with her it's like she's the fighting mum that was like the thing but a lot a lot there's quite a lot of female fighters who are mums especially in the UFC as well but you know she had a daughter with her in the cage for example when she beat Nunes but like Girl, the only reason anybody tuned in during your fights with Nunes were to see Nunes. The first fight, they were going to see how she was going to flatten you. You caught her on a bad day and you beat her. Fair play. And then the second fight, they tuned in to see, does Nunes still have it? Or was that just a fluke? And guess what? She did still have it. (laughs) It's not like she's got any stock in the bank, is it? Was the first fight Pena's win... Was that is that enough to overshadow Nunez getting the win in the rematch to create no. the trilogy? No, no, no. Okay, the All trilogy right. I think was a useless fight. The only reason they made it is because there's nothing else really for Amanda to do. Um, but like you could clearly see, like Amanda looked so sluggish that night. She had no pop in her punches. Like I don't know, bad weight cut. I mean, it's no excuse. You got to give Pena the credit for, you know, yes. the win when she got it. But, I mean, the rematch proved it, it was just a bad night. It was a fluke. It happens. Yeah. Uh, especially in MMA. I mean, this is such a more volatile sport than boxing, fight to fight. Um, so, you know, I don't know what she's going on about. Yeah. Nobody did. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody looked at her and thought, "Well, oh, girl, you've got a really good point there. She's running from you as Nunes. Nobody <laughs> nobody thought that. I think they would have acknowledged Tenya if that was the case. If there was yeah. enough like fan support for another one, they definitely would have acknowledged Pena, like brought her into the cage, had them face yes. off a little bit. They they do that shit all the time. Like so I if Pena was legitimately worth the salt of another fight, they would have done it. They would have played the angle up. Them not doing it is pretty telling. Alright, let's get to the one that was fun. Um, Nate, cover your ears. (laughs) Nathan, take it away. You you tell us what happened. Uh, Cover your... uh, Oh. There was an execution uh, <laughs> la, 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 on la, Saturday la. night, is what happened. That didn't happen. Um, I can't hear you. <laughs> who got executed? Who was it? Oh, Darish. <laughs> Which is great because uh, if you're a fan of written content, you can go see a wonderfully written article I made for uh, <laughs> uh, B-Sides <laughs> Entertainment uh, explaining why this wouldn't happen. Uh, but yet here we are, living in the worst timeline. Um, <laughs> so, Oliveira... Knocks out Dariush in the first round. I don't think that's something... I wouldn't want to say anyone expected it, but that was like a prime Charles Oliveira performance, or at least the Charles that we saw in his run getting the championship and defending it for two times against uh, Poirier and Gaethje. And, I mean, I don't know what else he could have done better that would have given him the right to 
an Islam rematch immediately than this. I mean, this was like, here's the best possible contender in the division outside of you. You got to prove you still got it. And I mean, he took care of business. I mean, he was dangerous to every moment of the fight, whether he was on his back or on his feet. He looked just as explosive, if not more explosive than we've seen him in the past. So this was like, that was like peak Oliveira. And I, I frankly didn't think we would see that from him this fight. I didn't think it was impossible for him to win, but this was like, this wasn't close to the landslide. I th- you make a really good point there about um, this win and what it does for his case for the Islam rematch, because I think what most important out of all of it is, who's the guy who we said we wanted to see against Islam? It, it was Darius, right? People were saying yeah. his ground game, he, he might be able to cope with Islam, that's the fight we want to see. Charles goes out there, he beats this guy, takes his stock and hype, you know, and surely Charles has to get the rematch now. I don't, I don't see what the, you know. It, it's I think for I think for Islam, it's basically going to be a rematch again, isn't it? It's either going to be Oliveira or or it's going to be Falk. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see. Is Poirier going to get a shot over Oliveira? I don't... If he beats, I think the winner of the Poria Gaethje fight is probably number two in the running for that fight. Because even if, well, Volk should win. Yeah. I, maybe rephrase that. When Volk wins, um, I don't think you could argue putting him in right back in there with Islam. I think you'd want to give Islam at least one fight in between, since Volk yeah. got one. Is, but yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, I don't, I, I, I can't see a, a good argument for anyone other than Oliveira at this well, point. Well, what the UFC are doing is they're making it a BMF title fight between Poirier and Gaethje, aren't they? Like, because they know they need to give oh. that fight a bit of stock and hype, so they're gonna have they, they, they're moving the invented belt that's been dormant or whatever since thing got beat by Usman since uh, Masvidal got beat by Usman. They're moving that belt down to 55 now, and it's between. It, do you know it's it's meant to be the baddest motherfucker, right? Mm-hmm. Poria and Gaethje are two of the nicest people <laughs> in the 55 division. <laughs> like, it doesn't really uh, tally with the namesake. But so let let's say Poria wins that. It's between Poria and Oliveira for the fight with Islam in Abu Dhabi in November or when that, whenever that's going to be. Me personally. I'd want to see Oliveira again every day of the week because his ground game is a lot more dangerous than Poirier. And Poirier is the sort of guy that he's, he needs to knock his lamb out. We saw in the Khabib fight, he nearly had like a choking and he couldn't he couldn't make it land. Khabib just managed to wrestle back and, you know, get the win. And I think Islam does the same. Islam just wrestle fucks him all night. So, uh, come on, Dana. I agree. Result- and I... There's- I can't see him making a rematch between Oliveira and Poirier or Gaethje because he beat both those guys. Uh, he defended yeah. the belt against both those guys. Why Why would you stick him in there with them right after he just beat the next best guy in the division? I mean, rankings aside, I think most people agree Dariush would probably be next in line if, if Oliveira wasn't in the picture. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only question that I had about it was if Dariush had won is that the fight people want to see more than Oliveira just well, because it's if, somebody if Dariush had 
if Darius should won, he would have immediately gotten the title shot. Like, there's yeah. no question in my mind about that. Yeah. He's a, fr- he's a fresh name, isn't he? He hasn't fought Islam before. Yeah, that's what I was you know, thinking. He's, he's got the style on the side as well with the, you know, the sort of BJJ and, like, heavy wrestling-based style. People, I think... I, I, tell me if I'm wrong, Nathan, but I, I think, especially in America, there's a big alert to try see if they can have one of their American wrestling guys beat this Sambo Dagestani style. Yeah, I think that's that's accurate. I mean... I mean, America's kind of, I think still is, renowned for their, like, collegiate wrestlers that they, you know, put out there. And eventually, or now, nowadays, going on and doing a lot of good stuff in, in mixed martial arts. So, I think that there would be a pretty strong American contingent to see that kind of thing play out. Which is interesting because, you know, Dariushi's got a great wrestling background, but I would, I don't know if I'd call him, I'd put him in that class of American wrestler, right? Like, I feel like his bigger strengths have been kind of his, uh, his improvements and his, well, that and his improvements in striking he's made and really kind of committing to that uh, right hand of his. So. Interesting. So the, the angle is to try to get like American wrestler instead of Brazilian. I think they'd love that. Yeah, I think I think Daniel, like uh, you're saying with the uh, collegiate wrestling background, they make a big deal. Like when there's a fighter coming up, especially if it's a young guy, and he's come over from you know he's been to college wherever, and he's is it D one? Are you guys be more more vested on this than me? Because I know the words, but I don't really know what they mean. Mm-hmm. When there's like a D one wrestler. They make a big deal out of him in the UFC, don't they? You know, it's it's always mentioned in his pre-fight stuff that, you know, and they they always sort of hype them guys up. I think Cormier <clears> coming into the UFC was a big deal, wasn't it? A because of his Olympic background, B but because he was like such an outstanding wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. D one is the is the phrase I think. Is it? Does it mean division? Like you, you know, top colleges. Ones. Yeah, the biggest colleges. Ah, uh, right, right. So it's separated into colleges. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. And I think part of it is a desire to, like, the UFC, I think, wants more homegrown American champs in general because the sport has gone so international. You know, you look at who's uh, champions right now, and they're all over the globe. They're not all Americans. Or if they are, they're, like, you know they're they affiliate more with their home country or something oh, like that right. than they, they do america like, so they want like a like a you know homegrown red-blooded patriot or something you know and it, unfortunately the only one they got is colby right yeah he's <laughs> but they got the two two red-blooded <laughs> for the usc to really sell him like if you look at usman Us, usman's an american right he's he's lived here all his life and he, you know, he's been educated here and, and etc. But again, he sort of clear he claims a Nigerian background, doesn't he? Because that's what he feels most proud of from his family. <laughs> and one of the last guys the UFC did have as their American champion, TJ Dillashaw. He's associated with another great American pastime <laughs> in, in <clears throat> drug cheating. So <laughs> he wasn't their best representation either. But yeah, Colby, they would love Colby to be champion, I think. You know, that would make the UFC stay, not only because of his fight-selling ability, shall we say, and his controversy, but the fact that he's homegrown, he's got that wrestling background. So they're looking for, like, a great American hope? Instead <laughs> of great... Not, <laughs> ne- not necessarily <laughs> white at this point, just somebody that's American? 
Well, that I, would be Jones if Jones could keep his head on straight. You know what I mean? Oh, they've got Jones. I forgot about Jones. Yeah, he. Uh, right, right. He's, but we he's can't. That big we, right, but he's <laughs> like you know every every two fights or so he's got another picogram that pops up or he's got you know some other person he's battered on the streets of Vegas or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. He goes for a drink and basically you don't know whether it's going to turn into like a night of chaos or he's going to go home safe. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, that wild card wrecking ball situation definitely not what you yeah. want to hang your hat on. Okay, anything more to add on UFC 289 before we move on? No, not from me. All right. All right, Pena's temper tantrum. Not a good look. Final note. Yeah. All right, uh, really quickly, Bellator 297. This was in Chicago. So this is one... We typically have stepped away from mentioning Bellator all that much, but this one had some interesting fights on it. Uh, real quickly, Corey Anderson gets a split decision over Phil Davis. I don't think these are the ones that... that that's one of the ones that we wanted to highlight. But Sergio Pettis, is the bantamweight champion over at Bellator, gets the UD over Patricio Pitbull. Pettis, I know, I know the name Pettis, but I don't think Sergio. this is the Pettis I'm thinking of. Oh, You're probably thinking of Anthony Pettis. Yes, yes that's, that's the one that's... I'm thinking of. He was the Wheaties guy. He was lightweight champion in the UFC. He um, he's fought he fought at 45, 55. He was champion at 55, and he fought at 70 as well. I mentioned the weight classes because obviously Patrizio was going down to 35 to try and beat Pettis for his belt and become a two division champion. I didn't catch this fight. Did he review guys? Negative. Uh, I did a little bit. This was kind of a depressing fight to watch as far as like uh, attempts at history go because Pitbull just felt like he never really got into his rhythm. He struggled with Pettis' range all night. He tried to shoot uh, some takedowns but he didn't he scored a couple takedowns, but he didn't wasn't able to really capitalize on anything. Um, so Pettis, as the fight went on, you could see the kind of the hopelessness grow, where it's like he can't get anything going. He doesn't have a rhythm. He's kind of just winging big shots and hopefully hoping he catches them. And this goes on and on and back and forth for 90 or so minutes until the movie just sort of ends. With a whimper there. There wasn't any kind of late drama. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, so, that's too bad. Just a side note on on these, just to give you a bit more context for the weight, because I know with boxing, it could be quite common that people go down, but they could end up only going down on like four or five pounds. In the UFC, especially, when you have guys going down a weight class to challenge, usually those guys win the belt. I think the record is something like nine out of ten in the UFC of guys that have gone down and they've won. So, I mean, similar to boxing, is it? if you can cut more weight, typically. I think it's nice to see the smaller guy get the win for once and not have his belt stolen by the by the bully from above. I, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't think it was going to be that one-sided. It wasn't quite one-sided. It was like the first two rounds were fairly close, but it was also like not a whole lot of substance was happening, and it was like a, a, a lead that Pettis was slowly kind of adding to. Right, and it, the fight just got further and further out of reach. But it wasn't like a, uh, wasn't like Pitbull got dominated necessarily. Did he look bad from the cut or anything? I don't think so. Mainly just because he, it didn't seem like he changed really anything up past that. He kept trying the stuff that wasn't working. 
the the one I was going to mention the the loss in the UFC out of them was uh, Dillashaw when he went down. Obviously, he ended up popping for drugs after, but he looked awful at the cut. Yeah, I was wondering if Pitbull had any signs of it, you know, his stamina or anything like that. If you move down and win the title and then pop for drugs like that, is the belt vacated? Uh, get moved to a no contest and... Uh... The previous guy gets his belt back. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Vadim Nemkov. He's the light heavyweight champion, gets a UD over Joel Romero. And you guys wanted to talk about Romero a bit, right? Go on, Evan. You go for it. <laughs> this was bad. Um, this was reminiscent of Romero's fight with Adesanya. It wasn't that bad in that fight. Romero basically did nothing. This fight was, uh, wasn't was far off, though. You saw uh, none of the explosive athleticism that Romero's known for. He kind of just sat back, and he was content to just kind of throw a kick every once in a while. And uh, Nemkov just continued to uh, just rack up connections and points. I mean, he... He put on a clinic from the outside. And what was weird is that Romero didn't attempt to wrestle until the very final round. And I think the first takedown he threw, he got the takedown. So it was like, where was this in the first round? If you're able to do that that easily. But this was rough. I mean, there's not much, no other way to really slice it. Uh, this was just like very depressing if you're a Rom- UL Romero fan. If you boys check the Discord, especially for you, Nathan, um, that stance. So, <laughs> yep. so if you ignore the dance, that stance he's in with sort of his hands up, sort of with his elbows sort of bent like at ninety degrees or forty-five degrees almost. Um, mm-hmm. That's what he did in basically the entirety of the first round of the Izzy fight, and he did for quite a lot of the fight. I was, I had my ha- head in my hands when he came out in this fight and he was doing the exact same thing the like and turtle just, shell yeah I just I was about to say it's quite sad that Romero has lost in an in yet another title attempt so he's never won from he's never won a title in a big division in a big uh, organisation sorry um, but he sort of brings it on himself when he fights like this I bet Nemkov was absolutely buzzing to see Romero come out like that. The way the way you Romero fought, I bet it played exactly into Nemkov's hands. I really, I really do. I mean, he just sat back and just sniped all night, and it was it was easy work for him. I mean, there was no moment of a fear. I don't think. So, uh, so we we were just talking about the uh, the sort of the American wrestling programs. Y- Yoel comes from another great one, you know, the Cuban wrestling program. And uh, I was—I almost had a heart attack when he <laughs> when he shot that takedown. It's something that he doesn't rely on um, usually. In the UFC, you very rarely see him shot takedowns at all, even though he's so, he's so dominant with them. So for him to get that one late in the fight and then it be successful for him, you kind of think if your fight strategy would have been this from round one, you might be walking away with your hand on the belt. He brings a lot of it on himself with Romero. Bit of a wasted potential career. Well... Bellator 297, where UFC hopes and dreams go to die. <laughs> Shows us right for getting excited for a Bellator card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess I guess we got what we deserved. Alright, last one for the recaps. On June 17th, another Fight Night card, this one at the Apex. Oh, man. 
prelims, it's a UD. It says UD3. Oh, it wasn't a UD. <laughs> no, it, well, no, maybe it the... definitely wasn't a UD. <laughs> Is this the one well, that, like, the well, knockout on. at did, the last wait, did second? The ref, wait, did the ref not stop that? Did I misunderstand? Yeah, yeah. No, he did. I, I just watched the clip again. He looks like he signals that the fight's off. He waves waves his arm over his head. He sort of pulled the guy aside a little bit. That's what I thought I saw as well. The timekeeper didn't but stop it. It happened at the very last second. There was one in boxing not too long ago that was just like that. No, this fight did go to the scorecards. They read out a score for this fight. Oh, after that. my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, so that did end in the decision. Interesting. I guess it's worth talking about the incompetence of the referee, no? <laughs> so, the, the, the spirit of Mario Yamasaki was on this man. This, so he's he's gotten to the ground. He's he's laid out starfished on his back. His head's already cut open. You can see he's knocked out. And the referee lets Hernandez just wail like another four or five elbows in on his lifeless corpse. <laughs> like, what the fuck was the referee thinking? Oh, you want to know even worse? He ruled it that it's a clash of heads. That's oh. why he didn't stop it. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yeah, they reviewed it, and I guess, I guess their heads like I don't know bonked each other or something. Oh, what? What the hell? Yeah. Didn't is is this the one that Dominic Cruz was tweeting about? Was this that one? Don't, it might have been. Yeah, so he so this is what happens. So he the ref waves it off at the last second. They review it, say, no, no, that was a clash of heads that caused that. Oh. So now we need to go to the judges. <laughs> I see so I see it. He right, I, I've just seen it. He but he sort of body he does like the flip body slam, you know, where you sort of, you know, if you're doing it to a guy you like you tilt him over your knee and your thigh basically. He uh -huh. does that to him. And as he goes down, his head's sort of in contact with his, and they, it, his, the oh. guy on the bottom's head hits, slams into the ground while the other guy's head is touching him, basically. I wouldn't... Yeah. Oh, man. What oh, the man. hell is up with this? Um, I'm, Can I you see, see what it? you're talking about now, but it still doesn't excuse the, uh, no. <laughs> the rep from utter incompetence. Even if he was knocked out by a head clash, which may be possible, there's no reason for that to have gone on. For as long as it is, did, <laughs> he's out when he hits the foot. He's he out is. when he hits the canvas. He's that's completely clear. out. That's wow. That is rough. That is rough to look at. <sighs> Welcome to MMA, Leo. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. You're not gonna see that in a boxing ring. God damn. No. <laughs> it's brutal to watch, isn't it? Yeah, the mo like the I want to say it was on a Pro Box TV card last week. The same thing happened. Dude got hit like, and he was out but was like kind of being held up by the ropes and it was the last second of the of the final round then he goes out and so they're like well was he still up i don't know but <laughs> they kind of like let his body ragdoll whichever way it was gonna go which was to the ground but definitely there weren't a follow-up half dozen elbows to the face <laughs> god damn <laughs> that is fucking brutal um all right <laughs> It makes it makes me honestly. It makes my heart sad. <laughs> yeah, it like does. That. It really does. Like that. Each one of those took like six months off of his life. <laughs> oh man. I hope. Well, I hope he's all right. 
Uh, all right, uh, Nicholas Dalby gets the UD over Muslim Salikov. Uh, welterweights, anything worth noting here? All right, nah. Manuel Torres <laughs> KO one over Nicolas Mota. This one's worth mentioning. This was a really good uh, knockout as well. It almost looks like he uh, sprints into uh, into Moda and just rips a right hand. He's out before he even hits the canvas. It's crazy. His whole body just accelerates in such a short amount of space, and he almost like leaps into the punch. Oh, it's a standing elbow, isn't it? He lands as well. It's, it's a standing elbow KO. Man, I need to I need to uh, catch up on these. I didn't have a chance to watch the card. Except oh, yeah. Oh, we've got a replay coming in hot. Oh, Leo. all right, here we go. Yeah, Damn, that, that, that lunging that. fucking elbow. <laughs> I'd have been going hype if I'd have been watching that live. Yeah, now he's got that, that John Cena. <laughs> he throws it like a punch. It's like chaos. I did the week when he could knock that guy out of his elbow. Yeah, he really <laughs> does. It's exactly like it. He does throw that like a punch for sure. That's that's pretty rough. It's the guy almost anticipates it, and he oh no, he doesn't anticipate anything. He no, got, he doesn't. He just walked into the punch. Do, do you want know to love about it? He, so he's standing southpaw, right? It's the fact that like he he's pouring his right hand out like as if he's going to punch his left. So you you're not expecting the shot when it comes whatsoever. Did you see the? I think it's a thirty second look at it. When he Moda throws that left hook, he like does it with his eyes closed as that elbow's coming in at like come on. Oh down. yeah, he does. Oh. So he channeled his inner Danny Garcia with a no look. <laughs> That's one of the most beautiful chaos I've ever seen. That's pretty sick. That's pretty sick. You can't see him. His time is now. <laughs> Great celebration. Yeah, very cool. Uh, okay, let's move up here. Pat Sabatini submits Lucas Almeida. These were featherweights. I expect this one was fun because triangles are always cool. <laughs> Almeida didn't throw a whole load of strikes, um, judging by the fight stats. <laughs> it's saying that he threw three out of five. Maybe it is right, actually, because there's significant strikes are the same, but. Um... Sabatini, I'm just looking, I'm just catching up on the start. Sabatini apparently threw nearly 100 strikes, 30 significant, and Almeida only threw five total strikes, and he only did two of his significant strikes. Well, no takedowns. I don't know, either of these guys, you think? Well, Sabatini won, do you reckon he'd get a ranking now, Nathan? He's right on that cusp, isn't he? Yeah, Featherweight's one of the hardest divisions to get ranked in as well, sadly. What's his win streak sitting at right now? Four. Well, he did take a loss in his last fight, so he's back. Yeah, he's back in the win column. Mm. Before the loss, he was on a seven piece, it looks like. Oops, six, excuse me. But those were, oh, some of those were not in UFC. He's probably not going to get around to that, I don't think. He probably needs another couple more wins consecutively to get, uh, get him there. Yeah, I mean, he's got. 13, 14, and 15 is Dan Ige, Edson Barbosa, and wait, you felt the right? Yeah, Dan Ige was just on the last card we covered. Yeah, 
Ige, yep. Barboza, and Caceres. Uh, he's not going to knock off any of those guys from that those spots. Barboza. They're going to have to lose. Makes me feel sad that Barboza's that low rated. But I guess he is on the way out now. He is pretty old. I missed the, the exciting career of Eddie Gordo. <laughs> what? That's what he moves like. He's like Eddie Gordo from Tekken. <laughs> he's a... Uh... He's, um, what's the word? He's very unique in the way he uh, moves and he throws his shots, definitely. All right, this one I didn't see on the card itself. Uh, Rione Barcelos submits Miles Johns. Oh, I don't see that on my card listing. Yeah, not sure where that came from. And it's not on the undercard either. I did not see this fight. Yeah, it's not on the listing, so I'm cutting that. Oh, it was cancelled. That's uh, why we didn't see it. <laughs> he apparently subbed him in two. Yeah, though. he subbed him in two. Wow. <laughs> he subbed he him before it. the fight. That had to be some kind of record. <laughs> no, he did it after the fight. <laughs> yeah, he was fought in the parking lot afterwards. All right. <laughs> this uh, is not over. <laughs> Armin Petrosian gets the UD over Christian Duncan. These are middleweights. Superman, Armin, who won. He's 32 years old. He's unranked in the UFC. Will he get a ranking after this? Probably not. He came from the Contender Series. He's not going anywhere, this guy, is he? I mean, he's never going to get a title shot. I think he's just going to be a jobber for the most part. Oh, that's too bad. Um, let's see. Arman Sarukian gets the KO in three over Joaquim Silva. Got it on punches. Yeah, yeah, this well, he did it. He was in like full mount and it was raining down blows on the guy. Okay. So there's a solid win. Uh, I think more interesting is have you seen Armin's comments about an a Islam rematch? Rematch. Uh, yeah. So uh, Islam was Armin's first fight in the UFC. It was his debut. It ended up being fight of the night. Which, considering Islam is a wrestlefuck merchant. That is some good going, um, but yeah, it was uh, he was his first loss and it was his debut in the UFC as well, which is sad. But what is it, what has he been saying, Nathan? He's saying that he he thinks he's the only guy in the division that, which obviously is just sales talk to yeah. give him the title shot. But he thinks that he's the only guy in the division that's capable of beating Islam, and I mean he's gotten uh, quite a few wins since then. He did lose to Gamrot. Uh, but Gamrot's good, so that's understandable. Yeah. But I think we'll keep an eye on that because, I mean, if Saryukin keeps winning, and I imagine the top of the division will sort itself out, um, he could be he could find himself at the top five ranking pretty soon as guys start to fall off. He's a uh, he, he's just a bit behind Fiziev, isn't he? And probably Gamrot, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But he's one of the sort of upcoming, I know he's twenty six, but. He's like one of the upcoming prospects, I'd say. He's he's going to be, like you say, he's going to be challenging for a belt probably in the next five years, I'd imagine. So definitely keep an eye on. Uh, there's not a lot of guys, I think, that have any sort of drama with Islam, partly because he's such, he's like, you know, very Khabib-like, you know, very reserved. He's very respectful. Uh, but Armin's making it an effort to be on bad terms with him, so... He's trying to maybe have <coughs> a little bit of drama for an Islam fight. Yeah, he's trying to bait him into a like a feud of words. Yeah. To justify a like a bad blood rematch. It's not like either of the uh, 
Dagestani guys are great at trash talk, you know. It is funny listening to them say certain things, though. <laughs> like, I'm going to smash your boy, stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, Islam's not great on the stick, so trying to bait him into sort of a war of words is probably going to go in uh, Armin's favour. Man, it, it makes me think of those jokes of like Indian people trying to shit talk in English. <laughs> There's subreddits dedicated to it, so that shit's fucking funny. <laughs> Go commit fucks. Like, what? <laughs> Bob's and Vagine. Yeah, Bob's and Vagine. <laughs> Some um, of the funniest Instagram reels I've ever seen have been like stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Alright, let's get the main event out of the way. Jared Cannoneer, ranked fourth, gets the UD over Marvin Vettori, ranked third. These are middleweights, ranked fourth and third respectively. These guys are moving up to, let's see, we have ranked 13th coming up. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. lot There's a lot of middleweights coming up. Ah. Yeah, that's. I was just trying to remember which, if any other ranked ones have already happened. But yeah, like leading up to up to two, UFC 290, there's a lot of middleweights, a lot of middleweight fights coming up. So this, I'm thinking, we were talking about this beforehand. Is this a setup trying to like jockey for position for Adesanya's return? I would say it's closer to maybe treading water because I feel like Cannoneer's way up there. I mean, he'll he'll move up from, from four to three. I don't think he'll jump Whitaker. I guess since Pereira's out of the rankings, he may jump up all the way to two. But yeah, this is sort of like... He's just trying not to lose ground to any of the guys below him, like, you know, Duplessis or probably just Duplessis, honestly. This is an interesting fight. I've never seen this much volume from Cannoneer. This was like, he landed the most significant strikes in middleweight history or something like that, which is really strange because he's also one of the biggest punchers. So uh, Vittori showed he had a chin, but he's probably going to pay for that in future fights, I imagine, eating that many forgive the pun cannon like shots <laughs> pun um, not forgiven do it again <laughs> i'm kidding don't, please don't make me do it again <laughs> too cringe but yeah what did you think uh, about this one chief yeah i mean cannoneer has been around doesn't he i mean he's already lost to anderson i mean i suppose vittori's already lost to anderson as well but vittori's a lot fresher in the division isn't he i feel like it had he won this fight a title shot for him was probably going to be coming in the not too distant future. I don't see one coming from Cannonier. I really don't. He's he's a bit up there in age now. It's he's 39. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I mean, oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I really under I really undersold that one, didn't I? He's been around, and, and like you say, he's he's sometimes his fights they sort of this might be a strange term, but they lack friction as such. He can he can be quite boring to watch, even though he's got killer knockout power when he uses his takedowns he can be lethal though i mean the way he dealt with darren till that time sorry not till i'm thinking of uh, gastelum the way he dealt with gastelum over five rounds is very impressive but he's 39 isn't he even if he jumps up in the rankings it'll be an easy defense for adesanya i imagine yeah sucks for vittoria because he was a guy with a lot of stock a fan-friendly uh fighting style Man, they'll be crying into their pasta from last night, I imagine.
right, so Cannoneer's 40. And am I... Did I hear correctly that both of these guys have lost out Asanya already? Yeah. Oh, man. This is a weird situation. Like this, this division has been well and truly loved by Adesanya, outside of Duplessis. That's like the only guy he's not fought, but likely he won't fight him next. Yeah, it's still like it, it seems like the like the lightweight situation where everyone's already been swept up by by Islam. So like, who do we? What rematch do we really want to see <laughs> that they're probably going to lose again? So <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Ah, <laughs> uh, Adesanya shooting arrows at Pereira's lifeless corpse. Was, that was so funny. Just remembering that <laughs> and trying to imagine one of these other guys in the same spot. <coughs> A pile of wet spaghetti noodles on the floor. <laughs> All right, let's move on here. Uh, did you guys already tally the points up? Because we only had one pick from the previous block, and that was Oliveira. I did. Chief got the point. Yep. Alright, so, point stand, 15-18, as we head into our next block here. I wanted to (laughs) mention a bare knuckle, 45 is happening. (laughs) As we were looking through the different fighters, this is on June 23rd, so this is the Friday before the next fight night. Um, Which one of these guys was looking orcish? Peter uh, Jackson designed that person. Carol. Carol, yeah. Last name Carol. Yeah, he's got British teeth as well. Makes it worse. I want to take a moment to acknowledge the brilliance of what Chief just said that I did not catch when we were when we were chatting live. Um, yeah, so the PKFC, there's a, a title fight and then um, a ranked fight for like the featherweight, one of the top featherweights is moving up to lightweight. If BKFC is your thing, watching people lose teeth and stuff, then go ahead. Uh, Alright, on the 24th, we have UFC Fight Night. This is one of the on-location ones. This one's going to be in Jacksonville, Florida. Starting from the bottom, Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen versus Bruno Silva. This is a middleweight fight. Holy shit. More middle. You said there was a lot of them coming up, didn't you? Yeah, this is uh, this is one of the ones. Brendan Allen is ranked 13th in the division, but I don't know anything about him. Is this guy worth keeping an eye on? Does he pose any kind of threat to the guys that are directly in his path? I don't know. No? I don't know. And, There's a uh, lot of guys to keep track of in the UFC. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're, talking yeah. about, we're talking about Brandon Allen, right? Yes. Yeah. He's not going to be ranked after this fight because he's going to lose. That's my early pick for this fight. Brandon Silva's going to win. Is he a killer? Oh, uh, he got a pretty brutal knockout in his last fight, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm I'm going to have to go with Brandon Allen because that's my wife's maiden name, Allen. Well, look at that. We've got a pick. Fun. I knew um, we weren't doing picks yet, but I had to just yeah, get that up there. I wasn't expecting well to do it. picks to like the towards like the top top of the card. Um, next is a featherweight fight: Gregory Rodriguez versus Dennis Tululin. Wow, that was a difficult one. Not bad. Yeah. yeah. Featherweight is Volk's division. Yes. Okay. So 
I guess there's a bit coming up in Featherweight as well, now that the, uh, the interim title is going to be settled. Mm, but neither of these guys were ranked, if I recall correctly. I don't know any of the names, so, and given it's a fight night card, I doubt either of them are ranked. Ooh, hold on a motherfucking second. Gregory Rodriguez. Man, they changed the fucking fighters. Yeah, that's why you've got an asterisk on them, right? No, that's the middleweight tally. Yeah, that's the middleweight count. Alright, alright. So this is David Onama versus Gabriel Santos. Alright, yeah, about what I expected. Cody Brundage versus Cedric Dumas. This is a middleweight one. I have to write for Dumas just because that's the name of my favorite author. Mm. I got nothing else otherwise. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Nate, anything? Or are we moving up? Uh, I got nothing, man. All right. That's how it happens sometimes. Amanda Rivas versus Uh uh, my my beloved... Yeah, Macy Barber. <laughs> these, these, these are both beloved by lots of fans around um, the world. Yeah, hold on a second. I think I'm about to dump Macy Barber. No, I'm not. <laughs> Never mind. And we're gonna link us your OneDrive to your folder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the the secret hidden folder. It's a. TNA. I don't want to see. I don't want to see either of these women get punched in the face. This is sad. Ranked ninth and eleventh. Straw weight is 115. This is 125. Okay, so the, there's a lot of action at 115, if I recall correctly. That's where Ioana used to be. Ioana Yunjacek. You know, I think last uh, podcast we showed the picture of her with the contusion in her head. You oh, know, the big my goodness. Head. Yeah. Yeah, she used to fight. Uh, she was champ at straw weight. That was, that was her division. She reigned over it for years. But yeah, this Amanda is actually Rebus, a pretty talented division. Um, yeah. This is... Uh, Grasso just took the belt from Shevchenko. Yeah. Uh, Blanchfield is here. There's some good talent here. Uh, Jessica Andrade. She's desperately on her way out, though. Oh. <laughs> she is. Oh, that's too bad. I'm glad you said it. Other than that, I'm not seeing a whole lot. Other than Grasso and Shevchenko, Blanchfield I've seen, I think, once or twice. Can't remember. Yeah, it looks like uh, Strawweight's definitely a little bit more stacked. All right, moving along. Macy oh, Barber's going to win. Picks. Yeah, if you want to do, do picks, picks for this, for this yeah. It's Macy Barber's going to win because I'll be sending her my energy. <laughs> now, I want Macy to win, but I think Amanda's going to win. So put me down for some Rebus action. Rebus. I'm really trying to get these disgusting sexual uh, references in here. <laughs> I'm Team Barber. Goddamn right. Oh, we've got picks. Here we go. All right, then the main event: Josh Emmett versus Ilya Tapuria. Is he Georgian? So, what the fuck? Looks like a yeah, Brazilian name. No, 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 he's he's not Brazilian. I don't think. No, he's yeah. not. I'm he... seeing the flag of Georgia on his profile here. So uh, Emmett just got beat by um, Yair Rodriguez. Yes, Yair. They just fought for the interim belt uh, a while back. Interesting. Okay. In fact, in fact, it was on the Islam Vault card, wasn't it? It was uh, the mm-hmm. same night. So yes, Emmett, Emmett's a guy that's he's he's been around, but he's still got big power in his hands, and he's got some good boxing. His wrestling's all right as well. I could 
Do I see him winning though? Because Ilya is an absolute killer. Ilya. No, I've got to go for I've got to go for Taporia. Taporia. Emmett yeah. is thirty-eight. Yeah. Well, I said he'd been around for a bit. Yeah, you did. You did. Well, I just <laughs> that age. Just a little. Just a little bit. He and Cannoneer are on the uh, in the Masters Club. Yeah. I definitely was going to pick Taporia as well, and I think I still will. Yeah. I still yeah, will. do it. I can't in good like ride. Have to... I, yeah. I can't in good conscious pick Emmett. Like this this fight the fans are definitely winning this fight. This is gonna be really right. fun as long as it lasts. But Emmett is just too basic at this point in his career and Taporia is like anything but. Like he's got he's got crazy strikes, he's got elbows, he's got kicks. Like he's gonna, you know, throw the kitchen sink at him and Emmett is just gonna be bombing an overhand right and you know, yeah. he might catch Taporia, but if he doesn't, I mean, this fight's going to go downhill pretty quickly for him. Sapuria's the next generation, isn't he? You know, he's he's got the flashiest striking and he can mix it all together well. Where Emmett's from that generation where either you're sort of a wrestling guy or a striking guy. And by striking guy, mm-hmm. usually it's kickboxing. Right. So I really, I really think this will be... Uh, yeah, I think he KOs Emmett. I really do. Very high chances since by knockout. I'd be surprised if it didn't. Yeah, Emmett probably retires as well. Actually, I think about it. He's thirty-eight. Yeah. He's just lost his shot. If he gets beaten by this prospect, you know, yeah, it's probably over for him. At thirty-eight, lost the interim shot that would get you your title shot, which would probably be your only. Ch- that was his only chance, right? Yeah, he was probably doing this one last run at the belt, and you know, he's on his way out now. Well, that's too bad. All right, let's let's get to the UFC. This one is in U. No, this one's at the Apex. No, it's there, on ESP. Yeah, there's a no. There's a, a card that I I took the notes down for it for later. That's going to be in at the O2. Oh, oh yeah, I've seen some of these fights that have been made for it. Yeah, yeah. So I have that. That's on the website lvxmedia.net/mma, and you can see all the events. That I have put in. Okay, let's start from the bottom here. We have a middleweight fight. Abdul Razak Al Hassan versus Bruno Ferreira. This is yeah, middleweights. Al Hassan is 37. What is up with these old guys? And Bruno's 30. Dana doesn't pay them enough enough, so they have to hang around in 12 age, you know, to try secure the bag. Gotta get give the younger guys highlight reel stoppages. Absolutely. Criminal what he does to those people. Anything special on this one? Uh, no, not from me. Uh, I don't really think I can speak until like, the Lipsky fight. <laughs> Maybe even the Max Griffin one. Alright, that's fine. Yeah, this is a tough card. Okay, Let, let's but... just uh, name them off and stop me when we when we have to. Ismael Bonfim versus uh, Benoit Saint-Denis. That's a lightweight fight. And that's a Frenchman, so you know who to bet on. And it's not the Frenchman. Goddamn frogs. Costing me money. <laughs> uh, Ariane Lipsky versus Melissa Gatto. I had to look and... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to be on... I'm going to team up with Lipsky on this one. All right. Welterweights here. Max Griffin versus Michael Morales. Morales does not have a picture, so that might be telling. And yeah, Max Griffin, he's been about. Holy shit, he's 37 too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I think this guy's Kazakh. 
We got a lightweight uh, Damir Ismagulov versus Grant Dawson. This one might actually be interesting. I recognize both of these names. I'm guessing that um, Ismagulov is like a wrestler type. Yes, and he might even be in. I don't know if he's affiliated with Beep Skies. Let me see if I can jog my memory on him. Well, ah, that's why he's familiar. He lost him in Saryukian in December. Oh. That's a unanimous decision, though. So he went the distance with Armin. Interesting. And then Grant Dawson, he's sort of an up and comer, isn't he? I think he's in his 30s, but he's. Uh, he's 29. 29? Yep. Also, uh, have you seen his picture on Google? Not on Google. Just let's see. Uh, just search Grant Dawson. The first picture you see, you can't miss it. Grant Dawson. Grant Is Dawson. Okay? Oh, wow, that eye. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. Jesus. Bruh. What is going on here? Yeah, he, he looked got, like... got up pretty good before that picture. I guess he got in a parking lot scuffle on the way into his roster photo or something. Leo, can you correct me if I'm wrong? He looks like an army type. What I imagine an army type is. Yeah, with a like with that haircut, definitely. Yeah, yeah he's an American top team guy, so that that definitely uh-huh. checks out. Um, but he's a bit of a submission artist. He's got 13 submissions out of his 19 wins. So uh, this yeah, could be an interesting little uh, could be an interesting fight if uh, Ismagulov ends up being a wrestler. Eight uh, eight fight win streak. Well, he eight fight unbeaten streak in the UFC. He drew to Ricky Glenn, but he's won. He's beaten some notable guys as well. Jared Gordon, Leonardo Santos. Yeah, he looks he looks quite good. This guy. Nineteen one and one to twenty four yeah. and two. And given what I've seen, like not ha- having losses isn't that big of a deal. Kind of depend. You have to put things into context. So when you see a, a record that doesn't have a whole lot of losses, you, that I don't know that that's to me that seems indicative of a someone that's pretty talented. Yeah, he's mixing weight classes as well. He's fought at both featherweight and at lightweight. He seems to jump about between them quite often in his career. Picks for these? Ooh, I'm going to go Grant Dawson based on everything we've just said. I will too. I gotta go for the American Top Team guy. All right then. I'm uh, I'm neutral. I'm, Swiss- hmm. I'm Switzerland. All right. And the main event of this one is Sean Strickland versus Abbas Magomedov. Magomedov, excuse me. Uh, is Strickland coming off a loss, or am I misremembering that? Hasn't he just been beaten? Uh, has he fought since Alex Pereira like nuked him? Pereira nuked him. Cannoneer uh, yeah. split decision and N. Imamov. Imamov got a UD. That was in January. You mean Strickland? Strickland beat Imamov. Imamov. Yes. This is Abbas's second fight in the UFC. Yeah, second fight in the UFC. But he's <laughs> this. He's on a three-fight win streak. He lost the PFL. Uh, a title fight against Taylor. Yeah. yeah. I think Strickland He lost it in 33 guy. seconds? <laughs> Looks yep. like yes, it. Yes, he did. Getting sparked out that some... quick. Put you down for some Strickland? Yes, please. I'm actually going to take a magnet off here. I think Strickland's toasted. Magnet off. I'm saying that, though, as I'm looking at this guy like dead on the canvas in the PFL fight. 
Um, <laughs> you guys need to see this picture. He um he got put down early, so you know could have just been like a lucky shot. Wow, he's <laughs> that's he really... looks like he's celebrating. Yes, he looks like he's celebrating, but he's lying down. <laughs> wow, that's a really good photo. Yeah, it is. The light is that Venom Page? Is that Page above him? No, that is Luis Taylor. Wow, he really looks like Michael Venom Page. Oh, oh wow, he's way hencher. <laughs> Sorry, I took that back. All right, so we got some uh, opposing picks here. Man, a lot of middleweights. Let's see, we got one, two, three, four coming up. Five if you count uh, what's on UFC 290. And then two that just passed. Three that just passed, excuse me. So yeah, the, the middleweight deck is getting shuffled. Sounds fun. But uh, UFC 290 is in our next block, right? Yes. Yeah, it will be. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's on the 8th? Yes, it's on the 8th. That's when Volk fights. That's what I remember. All right, so we will get another episode in before yes. that. Yes, yes. Be recording on my birthday. Looking forward to it. The 2nd? Yeah. Oh, happy birthday. Aw, thank you. I know. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? Conor McGregor shenanigans. You got? I saw you guys talking about it. It sounds pretty serious. Well, it does. And then we sort of uh, we it was in Sunday Punch. We were reading some of the details that she put in the police report, and she said she only managed to get away because she elbowed him to the face multiple times. Now. I know Connor's, you know, he's been out of the ring for a while and stuff, but you aren't catching that guy with a paintball gun, never mind an elbow, you know. Yeah. So that that was a bit strange. Um, there's been quite a bit of footage that's come out since. Um, the latest, so there's one where you see her get, like, ushered along with him up to the toilet and then his security's around. But then there's one, there's a video that just came out, or it was just released yesterday, and it's... It's her after the event has allegedly happened, and she's sat chilling with him, having a drink. So it's always very uncomfortable to even discussing this sort of topic. You know, the allegation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now uh, with that, now with the like the footage coming out, I think the veracity of it, like obviously it's important if it happened or if it didn't. But either way, it's just such an embarrassment. I think just for McGregor as a person and for the UFC, this was at the the same arena oh, yeah. where he knocked out the the mascot in the middle oh, of the game damn um well this the, was that that the, i figured out what that was because you see connor like spraying him with stuff after so uh-huh. you know connor's got his own line of like a, um recovery sports products on it and there's like that spray is it tidal the product's called there's like a spray that you spray on and it's meant to like help you recover from injuries and stuff. So oh, is see, that what it was? Yeah, so you see him knock the guy out with the shot and then he gives him one when he's on the ground for good measure. That's something Deontay didn't do, so just saying. <laughs> and, but, but then, yeah, he sort of runs around and he's like spraying it on him as they're like taking the guy away. So, I mean, I only know of his recovery product because like I'm a huge Conor McGregor fan and I follow him on Instagram. Nobody watching that had any idea that he was advertising his recovery like <laughs> Nathan you're like you know and you didn't even know that until I've just like told you so no yeah. I didn't know so about that 
it's a bad PR. That that's a badly thought out thing that I'm sure Conor masterminded or had a part in. Um, like you were saying about the uh, allegations. I know Connor's a rich guy, and obviously, you know, that atta- attracts a lot of, you know, people who would want to try, you know, sort of take advantage and abuse you. But this isn't the first time that we've heard about these allegations in relation to Connor, is it? It's not even the second time. I think it's the third or fourth time now. Whoa. Even, even when he's beaten all them charges before and police, you know, police stations, police, um, you know, counties have thrown away the charges. You still gotta just think to yourself, this isn't the first, second, or even third time. Yeah. Um, if it keeps coming the, up, even if you beat it, like, yeah. dude, why does this keep coming up? In the very, very best case scenario, we still have a guy who's got a wife and kids at home. He's like a pregnant wife right now, and he's going around and, you know, sleeping with all these groupies. Or, you yeah, know, I don't wanna label them all like that because obviously some of them could have been victims, but, you know, you know it's like, that's the most charitable way to look at it. Uh, go ahead, Sean. He's not even married to D. They're not married. That's the saddest thing about this. Oh. Won't even like put a ring on it and like say that she's his. And I don't know if that's like his way in his head of being like, oh, I'm all right going out and sleeping with these women. <sighs> Man, what could have been with this guy's career, right? I mean, it, it's it, he's done so much for the sport and it's been so great already, but so many negative things attached to him like he's, he's almost even worse than Tyson at this point isn't he I mean I know Tyson went to prison you know for the rip and stuff but I don't know if he had this many things going on like the punching the old guy in a pub and the Khabib stuff and all that you know it's I think it's the era of the era of social media has not helped Connor any because all of these things get blown up to like national news stories yeah oh absolutely yeah, yeah even but... stepping out of line a little bit is gonna get blown up way bigger than it needs to be do you think he just maybe was like off the cuff deciding to advertise his his like recovery spray i mean probably i mean it was probably like a, a last minute cocaine thought wasn't it Let's yeah be he seemed a bit manic in the little bit that i have seen of it of the punch uh, yeah thing is because i've been watching tough i've been seeing his demeanor and how he is on there he does sort of just seem manic and very passionate for life all the time way more than he used to but then there's you know there's always been allegation you know we all know he's a heavy drinker i mean every like everyone knows that's not a secret is it whether there are other things involved as well is an uncertainty at this point but people have assumed it haven't they yeah people regularly online will comment on it Hmm. Or yeah, speaking of uh, tough, <laughs> he's lost. Uh, his his team have lost every fight so far. Chandler is three and I I I'll just have a thought. Chandler is three and zero. But with with the Conor shenanigans and uh, me just mentioning Chandler, it's now looking like they're not going to fight. At least not this year. Conor isn't in the USADA testing pool, and we are more than six months. But basically, if you count the six months from now, is he going to be fighting a week before December? Maybe. You know, maybe he's going to fight a week before. Uh, sorry, a week before Christmas. Maybe he's going to fight a week before Christmas. But in a couple of weeks' time, or even in a week's time, if he's not in the USADA testing pool, he's not fighting Chandler. He's not fighting anybody this year in the UFC. What's going on there? You know, they've, they've done a whole series of tough around it, and they've you know they've built up this big thing, big propaganda machine. And now it's suddenly not happening. It's curious to say the least, isn't it? To say the least, yeah. 
like not being in the not being in the testing pool for the requisite amount of time. Maybe he takes three years out of the ring and moves up really big division to like a, a lot moves up by a big margin. On 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 that actually that that sparks a, maybe I know I know we're going over time yeah, here, but it sparks an interesting debate because we were just talking about Charles and um, the winner of the Gate Dustin fight. So one of them is going to fight Islam, and then the other one maybe fights Chandler at the end of the year because Chandler's going to be free from having a fight. Who do you think Chandler fights next? Probably the loser. Oh, the loser. Is he the loser or the winner of Poirier? Probably the winner of Poirier and Gaethje, right? Whoever doesn't get the Islam fight. Uh, so there's Charles now. He's he's what he's one side of it, and then mm-hmm. whoever whoever wins the out of a uh, Gaethje and Poirier, it's them two tossed up for the Islam fight, right? I think whoever doesn't get it will fight um, Chandler. So I would think that would be Gaethje and Chandler. And Again. before spoiler pick, but yeah, yeah, I think we would. So like the yeah, winners will face off, and yeah, then the losers yeah, exactly. face off, and yeah. then the winner of the loser bracket faces the loser of the winner bracket. Well, yeah. there is another component here. So Volk fights in uh, two weeks. He say he wins, uh, like we all think he will, and moves up officially. Did they try to give him another fight by the end of the year against a contender at lightweight? Hmm. Got Leo. Go on. You 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 bless us. This. What do you think happens though? <laughs> oh man. Come yeah. on, casual. Yeah. My uh, my deep insight is has Volk spoken about moving up for more than just like a title fight level nah. thing. Like he's not planning to move up divisions entirely. He's not, not, but he's also kind of in Izzy's position where he sort of lapped his whole division. And there's not a whole lot left to do. Yeah. Hmm. After after Yair, there's like nothing for him. Damn. Let's see. Volk is going to go to Bellator and dominate over there for a while. Then he'll go to PFL and do the same thing. Not really. So uh, like of the of the Islam situation, I think the f- the f- most fun way I think is the way that I outlined it, where like the two the of those four names, the two winners face the two losers face, and then you know like the battle for bronze or whatever. But Man, Dariush losing kind of threw a fucking monkey wrench in it. I was a new name, right? That's what I was kind of hoping to see with the little that I do know. Lightweight is such a great division, <laughs> but we've got a couple. There's a couple of guys up there. H and Pori have sort of been around for so long, you know, and they've, they've been beaten by the last previous dominator in uh, Khabib. Yeah, and you know, will they face off with Islam? I don't think they've got any more chance of beating Islam than they did Khabib, to be honest. Dagestani golem to rule the time. Yeah. Well, on that cheery note, who's who's the next um, great American hope? Is there anyone coming up? Bo Nickel. That's yeah, Bo Nickel. I was trying to think of that name. Yeah, he's also a middleweight, and he's going to be on 290. Fun. All right, guys. It's the, the season of middleweights. It is. <laughs> so with that. We have up, uh, Chief. Before you start on the parting words, I already have an idea of what one of it's going to be. But spreading positive energy, uh, pilot, conscious pilot took your spot with that one this week. Conscious pilot. Yep. He was on. With, he was on B sides with me, and that was what one of the things he did was spreading positive uh, energy. 
Ah, oh, I see. See, I, I mean, I don't think anybody in Thunder Punching likes Tyson Fury, do they? He's like universally heard. Yeah, as oh. a person, at the very least. Yeah, I mean, what, what am I going to say for my parting words? I hope everybody has a blessed week. I'm wishing <laughs> you boundless fortunes in your personal lives. Be well all. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Nathan, anything to send us out with? Well, I'll stay on the positive vibes. I, I pray everyone has a amazing time watching these fights. I pray they over-deliver and make up for the poor matchmaking. And I pray <laughs> that we're, uh, we are bided just a little more time until the wonderful month of July arrives. All right, that's going to do it for the team here at Ultimate Fucking Casual. Everybody have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you have any questions or comments on what was discussed or have a topic you'd like to hear on the podcast, you can leave a message on our unattended phone line at 833-589-7637. That's 833-LUX-PODS. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lvxentertainment.net.